This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. O2 count. Okay. <laughs> Time. <laughs> Okay, that was a disengagement by you. Um, here we go. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. The down on the docks on the other side of the tracks. Dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you were listening to on the Odyssey app or hey, wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. Listen, I'm not going to judge you as long as you're liking, subscribing, and sharing all things rye bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast. And that goes for YouTube as well. If you have not said hello to us, introduce yourself by coming on over to our socials or hey, if you have something strongly worded to say, you can always hit us up at rye bread and mustard podcast at gmail.com. And also maybe you've seen the gear. You've seen the gear that we wear. You see the gear that we wear when we're down around the stadium. And you're like, I'm all right with that podcast, but I'm down with that gear. You can hit up at simply.cora. That's at simply.cora on Instagram or Etsy. I know we're on a new episode here, but if you have not checked out our exclusive interview with Brett Boone, go ahead and scroll down after this episode and you will find it. In fact, I think we'll probably play a little excerpt of that here at the end of this episode. Anyways, that's all the house cleaning because I got to clean up because I got a guest and you know who my guest is once again up in Edmonds. We got Hanno in Edmonds. What's going on, Hanno? Hey man, how's it going? I feel like I just got off a really rocky flight for this last series with the Mariners, man. Started out, the plane stalled first game. A little bit of turbulence, came back in, more turbulence. Game two, you know, leveled out, more turbulence. You know, dropped a little bit in altitude, more turbulence. Kept going, flight leveled out more turbulence and finally the Mariners landed the plane and won a series what a series yeah, I, I mean and this ten- is a knock knockdown drag out series you, you look at a team that they've already clinched the losing season and the Mariners coming into this is, is the hottest uh team minus their two game loss they had there uh, <laughs> against Baltimore but I mean they might still have been statistically the best team since July 1st and you know what the Royals are doing, but listen, if you go back in time, the last season, you know, it happened the last time we were there, we blew that huge game. Everybody wants to talk about the staring contest that, uh, Robbie Ray got into. I could care less about that when you remember, I don't know if we go back to our episodes, we both were talking about when that staring contest went down, we were like, this is not good. We didn't care. We just didn't think it was serious enough. The team wasn't serious enough, and you know what happened. You have this rocky game here, and then let's go back even to 2021. I think a couple of games, back-to-back games in Seattle, the Mariners had big leads with the right guys on the mound, and I think Salvador Perez hit like either two grand slams back-to-back or he hit uh, a back-to-back days or he hit a three-run shot and a grand slam. Anyways, Mariners have you know learned the hard way just like with – trout um you know uh or uh, otani or uh who's another mariner killer mike napoli remember him (laughs) like salvador perez you know only gets to play the mariners you know seven eight times a year sometimes only six times a year and he's put up some huge numbers against us with the limited amount of games yeah, I agree with you on all what you said of going back. And I want to go back since you brought it up to going back. At, we were at MVPs and you talked about the upcoming series and these teams and, you know, the week Kansas City Royals. And I, you know, mentioned to you, hey, let's not uh, let's not take them for granted quite yet. Yeah. They're a young team. They got nothing to play for. And um, 
you know, they can show you something. And every major league game is not a, you know, foregone conclusion. And Kansas City sure hit the ball, hit the fastball well. It was a big pain in the in the side of Mariners pitchers. Uh, the last three games that were wins, the Mariners starters gave up four runs uh, each, which is something they haven't done in a long time. Uh, if I can, I definitely not in the last three games that I can remember or in a three-game stretch, excuse me. But, yeah, um, <laughs> entertaining, but what a what a series as far as on the old heartbeat. I mean, it was back and yeah. forth. Bullpen was shaky. There were some mistakes, not clean ball, base running. I mean, base – I mean, it was contagious. Both teams had terrible base running at times. I would, just, I would say the Mariners a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Yeah, it did feel like just sloppy summer league baseball is, is what this series kind of reminded me of. And, you know, I did mention Salvador Perez, but the, we got a new Royals killer or a new Mariners killer that's going to be wearing Royals uniform for a long time. And that's Bobby Witt Jr. Wow. I mean, he's just about as impressive, if not as impressive as... Uh, Julio Rodriguez. They got somebody special right there. I know he was an overall number two pick um, in what the 2019 uh, draft, um, you know, second generation player. We already know he's pretty good, but wow, this series, this was for me, not seeing him on a daily basis to watch him for four days in a row. He impacts the game and he doesn't just like put a dent in the game. He smashes the window of the game. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You mentioned Mariner Killers and you brought up Trout. He's a top 10 guy in the league. I could argue that Bobby Witt Jr. is a top 10 guy in this league. He is very special. He can hit. He's got speed. He's incredibly talented defensively. We saw that with a relay throw today. His inside the park home run with his speed, his power, hitting the ball over the fence for a grand slam. He's a he's a special cat. That's no that for sure. Yeah, I think he's in company. Uh, I don't. I'd have to look at what the status. Just trust me, it's impressive. I just don't know what the status. I had it pulled up right here, but there's only three other people that have done this since 1901, and it was like all those great offensive uh, categories. I think he's in this company with Alex Rodriguez, Cal Ripken Jr., and Honest Wagner and Bobby Wood. So I mean, that's 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 the list that he's on. That's the company he's he's keeping. Yeah, he was dynamic in the series, no doubt. And yeah, to be in his second full year, um, to be named with you know Cal Ripken, who was a great shortstop with longevity, the glove and some and the bat, and then Alex Rodriguez, who kind of transformed the position with his size, speed, and power, and then Bobby Witt. Um, he just fits right in with both of those guys. I didn't get a chance to see Honest Wagner, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he was a little bit before our time, just just yeah. barely, just barely. But all I know is I believe he had the most expensive baseball card in the world at at one point. That's a ninja question. <laughs> He's the big card collector, right? Yeah, he is. I mean, Bobby Witt, you go back to Monday's game, you know, he had he was four for five with the RBI. That's when he had the inside the park home run. You go to Tuesday's game. He didn't fare as well. He only got one hit, but he got four RBIs, which was that grand slam, which I believe was like his second grand slam in uh, within like a week or so. Um, Thursday. He had a couple of 0 for 5 days, but those two days that he did make an impact, he you know had one hit, four RBIs, which was a big grand slam, and he had four hits the night before. So, I mean, this guy is just, you know, he's hitting 274. You put his stats since um, last season, from his rookie season to now, and you put uh, Julio's next to each other, they're, they're, they're pretty similar. Um you know, the difference is Julio plays on a, a, you know, a more developed team, but the Royals are like one of, if not the youngest team in all of baseball. So I, I could see some, some things definitely developing there. 
just like how we were looking at the Texas Rangers in a couple of years. I know the Royals aren't a team that goes out and spends a lot of money, but they got a nice little, uh, nice little thing growing over there. Yeah, offensively. I'm glad you said that. I agree with that. They're definitely good. Uh, got some position players that show some promise. Uh, their starting staff is not not close to being there. I mean, we saw what their best pitcher did against the M's in game one, where the M's kind of pissed down their leg and had nothing going and were being no hit for most of the game. And then their bullpen's the worst part of their team, and that benefited the Mariners in coming back a few times throughout this series. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're rebuilding, and uh, they've got a cornerstone and a superstar to build around in uh, Bobby Witt Jr., Fry bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast. Come on, Jared. You throw coolers. You don't kick coolers. You grab the cooler and you chuck it. Or you throw it on the ground. You don't kick it. And, I mean, he hurt the team. He's hurt. Yeah, a mistake. Was it the first time it happened? No. Will it be the last? No. It will be the last, in my opinion, that Jared does it. It's a tough lesson to learn. But you always learn from your mistake. And I feel bad for him. I'd rather you throw things than hit things. Just throw it. Remember the the guy in Anaheim? He threw all the bubble gum on the field. Smart man. Smart man to show his his, his frustration with things or his disapproval. He throws a bunch of bubble gum. You know, worst case is people had to go out there and pick up bubble gum. Maybe some got on somebody's cleat. You know, you don't punch lockers and you don't kick the cooler. I think is like the two things that you got to learn. Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread and Mustard, a Meredith podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So basically, we've just built up a a, re, a big uh, mountain of reasons of why uh, the Mariners had such a tough time with them. But listen, the Mariners get three of four at the end of the day. That's that's all that matters. You're right. Their bullpen. Not very good. Our bullpen wasn't too great this series and still you know overcame and i would i would say they won the they definitely won the bullpen uh war the battle of the bullpens but you know you're you're looking at guys with over eight eras not a lot of time or journeymen on that team and you're looking at the seattle mariners bullpen which you know up until recently or maybe even as far as back as when we traded uh, paul seawald at the deadline if one of if not the best uh bullpen in in the american league and uh now i i don't know i know larry stone wrote an article about it uh bringing up concern of maybe that the bullpen might be possibly the reason if we miss the playoffs that would be the reason which is kind of crazy because we would you know want to point our finger at the offense but to be honest the offense is up believe it or not, from last year at this time. Uh, what are you seeing in the bullpen? What are your concerns? Well, they I mean, we've talked about it before when they traded Seawald that I was concerned that, you know, you're losing a guy that you can count on. Um, and everybody's had to move up the ladder and guys are pitching more and more often. You saw in this series, uh, Munoz go, um, had to, they put him in a situation where they wanted him to make a five-out save. He threw more pitches than he has, I believe, in any time in his career. But that didn't cause them to lose that game. Uh, Matt Brash has pitched uh, the most out of any reliever in the American League, even before this series. I believe he's pitched uh, for the last five games. Uh, and with Matt Brash, you know, he uh, – you just sometimes don't know what you're going to get with him. He is electric. He's got super, super, he's super good and has some outstanding talent. But, you know, it's it's different when you're there in the ninth inning and you're hoping that he throws strikes and gets ahead of the guys. And with both of them, they get ahead of guys, but at some points during this series, they didn't finish them off. And even Scott Service mentioned that. So, yeah, so it's going to be a bullpen guy committee, especially with how often these guys are used. And how often the Mariners play in tight, close games. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be definitely a part of the story going down the stretch. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's 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 just crazy how, in seasons how one thing can be the concern, and then the other thing is now the concern. Like for me right now, 
I don't feel like I'm concerned about their offense as far as at bats and as far as them, you know, getting hits and that sort of thing. I'm not as concerned. Am I concerned about the base running and things like that? We'll get into that because we're going to dive into that. Um, I'm not concerned about the starting pitching. Um, I, I would love to get Wu back um, in there. I saw that the Mariners are probably going to go with a six-man rotation, possibly starting next week. That seems like that might happen. Um, did you see that as well? Yeah, um, that's yeah. sounds sounds good. I mean, uh, makes sense. Uh, if the Mariners are lucky enough to get in the playoffs, I would assume that um, they're as we saw last year. The Mariners went with only a couple guys that they truly believed in in the playoffs as far as relievers and the rest they used as starters out of the pen. And um, I believe the Mariners will do that as well. And we saw how successful Houston was last year in using their starters out of the pen, uh, not only as they won the world championship, but definitely in that 18-inning um, elimination game against yeah. the Mariners where they used all their guys. So, yeah, it's a – it's definitely a nice thing to have for the Mariners. It's uh, especially when they get in the playoffs and hopefully they do. And I think it is the smart move with, with the younger arms and just keeping maybe somebody's arm like Castillo's nice and fresh. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Um, I was already writing up a different headline and maybe how the show was going to go, but you know how that always goes. Once you start uh, preparing that way, you think it's going to zig, the game of baseball will zag on you. Um, Julio with the big three run bomb five for five. You no, know, we were kind of harping on some stuff. So before we get back into um, maybe talking about the mental errors and the uh, base running mistakes that seem to be a huge concern that you could maybe get away with a team like the Royals, where you can keep going at their bullpen and getting more chances and playing add on. You're not going to have that in Houston. Uh, we'll get into that in one second. Just want to also talk about some positives though, in this series, listen, we won three or four games and right now without JP, we needed some of our bigger guys to step up in the series. The people that should the Tay Oscars Ty, Eugenio, Julio and Cal, they all had, you know, good to, you couldn't have any better of a series. Yeah. I mean, Going down the list, Eugenio, he's out there every day, gives you, uh, saves you so many runs defensively. Sure, he's going to strike out some. Um, I, I've got nothing but admiration. A guy that goes out there every single day and is focused and makes the plays. Uh, I, I, I really, I really like him. You mentioned Cal. Yeah, huge, huge series. Couple, couple missiles to right uh, for home runs Piss. that were key. Piss missiles as you like to call them, right? I do, but I would call those more frozen ropes. A little piss missile is, you know, a missile kind of has a little bit more trajectory to it. This was more like on a Got line it. of frozen rope, but, but here nor there, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Tay Oscar. Yeah. Slumping through this month, had a big five hit game and, and Ty has come around quite a bit and had that huge uh, base hit to uh, give you the lead late in the game. Uh, so, yeah, nothing but good things to say about those guys so far. This series, yeah, I mean, uh, just, just the, in this series, yeah, you could look at Teoscar's where you go. He's slumping so far this, uh, you know, this August. And you go and you look at his line. You look at the last seven days, and you go, wait, he's hitting three twenty. But that's you know, you're adding a five for five game in there. In the last fifteen games, he's hitting three sixteen though. But it does feel like he's slumping. And I had to go back and look and go, well, in the last two weeks, he's hitting 316. He's got, he's not driving in runners as much as you'd want him to, obviously. And the power numbers are down with only two home runs in the last week. Uh, uh, you know, you look at Julio, though, we'll get into him. 
let's just get over to him for a second. I mean, in the last week, he's hitting 417. Last two weeks, he's hitting 377. The last month, he's hitting 315. Last month, he's hitting seven home runs. He's hitting two home runs in this last week, three in the last couple of weeks. Then you go over to Cal Raleigh. Uh, interesting. He just seems like he's on fire, right? But he is with the to- with the home run totals. He's got three home runs in the last week or six in the last two weeks. And he's gotten 11 home runs in the last month, but he's only hitting 179 in the last week and uh, overall 226 in the last month. But that's what you, you'll take from him. You'll take the big power numbers and the 220, 230 average from Cal and his ability to come off the bench and, and, you know, also cash in in big moments. And that's what we learned to love about him last year. And we're starting to see it right on cue at the right, the most important time of the season again, right now. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Cal is, he hits the home runs in big situations and clutch situations, no matter if they're early on in the game when you're down or you need to get on the board first or late to give you some insurance or to win you a game. That's what makes Cal special. I mean, for him to hit his, uh, I think he's up to like 51 now, but I heard that he was the second youngest Mariner to get to, uh, 50 home runs, the fastest, only behind Alex Rodriguez. So that's quite a feat for all the players that we've had in this organization that can put the ball out of the park. Uh, You mentioned Julio. Yeah, I mean, uh, fantastic. I mean, just in the last two days, I know it's more than 10 points, but he has raised his average. I'm not specific on it, but I know he's raised his average more than 10 points in just the last two days, which is unheard of. And, I mean, he basically – he carried you this whole series and won you this series. Um, He was fantastic all the way around. Uh, Big clutch hits. That was a criticism of him. I think all three wins and even times when we lost, he gave us a clutch hit to give us, get us back in the game, if not get us ahead. So uh, it was the Julio Rodriguez series. He was all over the place. Uh, Just, just great at bats, Uh, hitting the ball the other way, turning on heat I mean, upper digit stuff. Uh, uh, his his exit velocity that they showed was up. I mean, that's not that big a deal, but I mean, he was hitting the ball hard, and that's the most important thing. But he was absolutely the MVP of this series, and and was a big catalyst, and the only catalyst probably to uh, getting the Mariners all these victories in a tough series against Kansas City. Absolutely, and I loved his intensity. I mean. Uh... You, you saw it out there when things didn't go our way as well. But I did want to talk about one more offensive guy. We, you know, going under the radar, having a pretty good uh, last couple of weeks, and that's Ty France. In the last two weeks, he's hitting 306. In the last week, he's hitting 292. I know he went 0 for 5 in, in this last game here today. He's hit a couple of home runs in the last week. He's hitting three home runs uh, in the last couple of weeks. Only three home runs in the last month. So definitely whatever has been going on with him, he seems to be turning it around. And honestly, when Ty is on, it makes this, you could say this about anybody, but I really do feel like if Ty France can turn it on and you know be around 300 the rest of the way and hopefully into the postseason, this makes this lineup so much more trickier to navigate through. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball's hard, and uh, it's nice to see Ty be able to do what he's done. I mean, the key for the Mariners is when guys are not having a a great night, like Ty, you mentioned in game four of this series, that Julio's able to pick him up, that possibly Teoscar or Cal, and vice versa. When one of those guys isn't going, you know, another guy steps up uh, in clutch situations with runners on and scoring position. That's how, that's how a team evolves and, and gets on a good streak and wins a bunch of games. And, uh, it's been working for him here lately. Not everybody's going to get, you know, more than two hits. I mean, it's incredible what Julio did get nine hits in two games, which was a major league record, I believe. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to see that everybody is chipping in at certain times to help out the team win ball games and really tight games that are stressful and up and down, as like you mentioned, with our bullpen being taxed and worked hard and not coming through all the time or making it challenging for us. Yeah, and I mean, 
we we said it right here. You you got Tay Oscar, you got Ty, you got Eugenio, you got Big Dumper, you got Julio, and hopefully you get Crawford back. You're talking about six bats that you can expect things from six bats that you can lean on all doing what they're supposed to be doing. Eugenio didn't have the biggest series here. You said it uh, also prevented a lot of runs with, with the outs, with the, with the catching of the pop flies up against the fence, running into a post also still will get you RBIs here and there when he's quiet, because that's what he does. You got Tay Oscar, having a five for five, you got Julio, you know, having a record setting series. And then you add Ty France and, and Cal Raleigh coming in with the big blows. Now at the end of the lineup, when you go, gosh, there's this area of the lineup we have to worry about. I just mentioned six guys. Maybe one of those guys is having a good day out of those three. Now you got the lineup just feels a lot bigger and much more, healthier than than it has i know that we just lost tom murphy for we're gonna lose him for a little bit but there was a point at this season right where we only had like two or three guys that you'd have any confidence in and now i feel like there's a handful at least in the lineup every day yeah um good point um you got marlo giving you some uh, contributions he's yeah. having incredible at bats uh getting you some big hits you know he's quiet like that uh rojas gave you a couple hits even a home run in this series he looks like he's you know trending in the right direction for him offensively canzone has gotten on got some big hits here and there uh and that's you you need your 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 big guys to do most of the damage but you also need these guys that are young and up and coming and haven't gotten them you know, the, the most of the time uh, and just starting out their major league career to chip in. I mean, that's winning baseball right there. And I mean, I'm super impressed with what I see from Marlowe up at the plate. And uh, I hope he continues to get that opportunity every day because he deserves it. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy just came, just gets called up to the major leagues. We'd heard about him for, but he's hitting 293. You know, and he's just got about 60 at bats. He's hitting 293, a couple of home runs, seven RBIs, stole three bags. He's got an 880 OPS. Um, doesn't hurt you in the field. Uh, yeah, I mean, when Jerry Kelnick, you know, kicked the cooler, you know, that, you know, we did the episode right when the day after that happened. We were like, man, this was, this is terrible. Like, he was, at that point, at that time, the most consistent hitter in the month of July for us goes down. K. Marlowe comes up, plays the same position, um, same side of the plate. It's going to be interesting what they do when uh, Jared gets back. Have you heard any news on Jared coming back? I might have missed yeah, that. I heard some today. Uh, Jared, I think... I don't know if it was a Jerry DePoto show or what, but uh, I didn't listen, but I heard someone, maybe it was one of the reporters posted that uh, he just got out of his walking boot and is starting to uh, do his baseball activity. So uh, they're hoping that uh, he should be back here soon. I would assume that um, once that's all good, I mean, it's just the first day out of the boot. He'll probably, you know, train and get stronger and then go on a rehab assignment. So I would assume maybe september sometime and that's exciting from to me you know uh i personally i'd like to see an outfield with him marlo and obviously julio and tay oscar um if they're gonna play him use him as more of a dh uh that's well they're gonna put him in the lineup yeah i have no he'll i think tay oscar always be in the lineup but i mean yeah as far as defensively you know um Sure, I would wouldn't mind him going to DH if if Marlo's continuing the way he's is right now, and you get Jared back to what Jared was doing. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a fast outfield that covers a lot of ground. Um, we also have Canzone in this conversation too. I mean, uh, you got three left-handed outfielders, and then you throw Haggerty in there, who's more of a, a well, he's a switch hitter. 
but you know, one of the guys is not going to be on the roster, but that's for another, another episode. We got to keep this moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, a very funny man. Please welcome from Seattle, Jay Buner. Here's one for you. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, Hey, why the long face? Here's one for you. Aren't you glad he decided to play right field for the Mariners instead? But the main thing this weekend that I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that the Mariners can correct is the mental errors and the base running, which are go hand in hand. And I feel like the errors that they've made in the field quite a bit, I would push them more towards the mental errors. You know, you had the ball that dropped in there. Um, what day was, what game was that game two or game three? It was game two. Um, you know, cost the Mariners an out cost Hancock an out. Uh, they end up getting what that grand slam in that inning. Um, you know, an error like that, it's such a pendulum swing. I mean, that's why the, the creators of this game, who came up with baseball gave you three chances. Four chances was way too many. That's where else they'd have four outs, you know? So it's pretty simple. You can't give teams 30 outs. We've talked about it. It went away for the most part in July. We kind of had a cleaner month. Uh, we've seen it creep back in here, especially this week. And then now you turn the corner and you're playing the Houston Astros where you can't make mistakes with, you know, the defending, uh, world champions yeah you're right uh it has creeped back in and we've talked about it at nauseum uh during the first half because it was a pattern for sure saw a lot of this kind of sloppy play um the reason i mentioned uh kind of that outfield with not having to oscar in i mean i can make a perfect example in today's game the difference with having sam haggerty out in right field there was a ball hit down the right field line it's a different type of ball, but Sam gets over to it quicker, makes a sliding grab. Both both of the things I'm going to describe were against Witt, got the ball in, held him to a uh, double uh, earlier on in the series. I mean, it's a different hit, and uh, I could not see, so I have to give some sort of uh, disclaimer to Teoscar. If he was playing farther in left, field, left center field, ball hit down the line, um, and it kind of rattled around the wall and he didn't go after it as hard. And uh, it was an easy triple. I mean, like I said, I don't have all the information. It's just kind of the things I see on the television. So I could be off base with my comments and that's just part of it. But uh, yeah, um, there was, I mean, there was a mental mistake uh, late in the innings with Rojas on a ball hit up the middle him and Caballero kind of had some miscommunication and hard to tell. And luckily he, I mean, he was late Rojas getting to try to t make a double play, but he was able to at least get one out by trying to throw it to first to complete a double play. But uh, the runner at second beat him towards it. So yeah, there was uh, a lot of kind of quirky things that went on the series. And like you mentioned the base running, uh, which was some I can get and some were you know, just flat out lack of focus. Give me the flat out lack of focus ones. I, I know what they are, but I just want to hear somebody else say what's going on in my head. Um, so this one's hard for me. I mean, I, the Mariners had what about a half dozen, um, base running mistakes this series. Uh, the Caballero <laughs> one on first where he was, uh, I mean, He's an arrogant, cocky style base runner who likes to, you know, get under people's skin. But he was so far off on that one where he was picked off at first base. Um, in my opinion, he was egregiously too far off. So I feel like that was a mistake. Uh, Julio, I feel like I could, I could have picked him off. I feel like I could have picked him off. That's how bad. Yeah, yeah. And Julio's he's going <laughs> up. He's facing a lefty. Um, it was just a lack of focus. It happens just like that. Julio was just looking. He looked down for a second, took his eyes off the pitcher, and boom, the ball was on him. And then Dylan Moore, I mean, that that one was tough because you got you got to – I'm kind of – I get it's all on Dylan Moore. 
that ball that was hit to left field, uh, the guy kind of slid in or dove in, but he looked like he caught it, and somehow the ball kind of just pooped out of his glove. And um, he gets to first, and he thinks he's out, and um, starts making his way back to the dugout and didn't keep his eye on the ball to see that it was no. dropped. But I also I also got to kind of blame the first base coach, Chris Negron, there too. I mean, why isn't he yelling at him or letting him know? So yeah. those are the ones that are the ones of this lack of focus for me. Yeah, they both were checked. There's no other excuse. You both checked out. You both checked out at that point. Uh, I know that somebody was, one of the announcers was talking about the announcer. It doesn't matter. You go until you're told to turn around. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, especially in a game where you're you're coming from behind, you want to, you know, be intense and hope every any and everything is going to go your way because you need it. It just kind of kind of was weird. And I think the one that really got to me though, as far as hey, I understand aggressiveness. I understand what we get from Caballero. He's a pest. I love it. I love the way he plays. He's like the perfect ingredient for this team gets under the, you know, opposing pitchers, uh, you know, skin very easily. Doesn't give them comfortable, uh, you know, at bats, you know, he, he doesn't want the pitcher to be comfortable. Love it. Um, love that he runs hard all the time, but the, in the game prior, it ended up not really hurting the Mariners, but it made things way less comfortable when he tried to go to third base um, first to third, uh, got nailed was the third out of the inning. They went to a replay and, uh, I have to say, I, I really like that. Whoever's producing the game left the camera on Manny Acta, you know, having to talk there with Caballero about that, you know, I, I'm sure he's saying something like, look, you already know the golden rule. You don't make the third out at third or home. You're fast. So, you at second base with two outs is just about as good as being at third. I know third's more of a sure thing. Uh, we're building something here in this inning. We're passing in the baton. Uh, it was just kind of a silly um, mental air that was frustrating. Ended up not killing the Mariners in the end, but those are the types of things against, you know, a team like Houston or, Texas or any of these other teams that we're playing next month, the, uh, the Dodgers, um, these are the teams that are going to capitalize on those mistakes. That's why they are who they are. I, I understand your frustration and I get it. Um, I didn't see it well enough. Uh, I mean, I remember the play, obviously, like you mentioned, you saw Manny Acta talking with Caballero. So I was going to say when it's hit to right, usually you rely on your third base coach, but uh, maybe Caballero, I didn't see the whole play, put his head down. But if he's talking with him, I definitely see where you're coming from, that he made a judgment decision. And uh, that makes sense. Like you said, you never want to make that third out at third. Uh, going back to me kind of going after Dylan Moore, I do want to commend him. In the third game of the series, a really heads up play. He was on third base. There was a ball hit down the right field line uh, right near the wall. And he tagged the right fielder, caught it. And uh, it was a bang-bang play at the plate. And I got to give him a lot of credit. He went in head first, straight in, uh, which actually, I mean, is really ballsy, especially going up against a catcher uh, that could swing over and, you know, put it on you. But uh, he went straight in um, and didn't try to hook slide uh, or anything like that or didn't go feet first. And, you know, as the plate is being flat, he was able to get his hand in there. I think if he would have went feet first, like you normally would think of with a close play and a collision, it's hard to get your foot down and kind of get low like that and just tap the, the flat plate, uh, which is such a difference from if you're going into a bag. So I got to commend him for that. It was a big turning point and momentum point in the game. And uh, it was definitely not one of those plays that was a gimme and for him to go in head first like that and create some momentum and sneak in there just in time. It was a great heads up baseball play by a, a pretty good base base runner all in all. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the Mariners go in and get three or four. If you told me by handing me a crystal ball before the series and I could see that we won three or four, I'd take it. 
you look under the hood, there's definitely some things to be concerned about. They're all things that can be easily fixed. That's, that's the good thing. The bullpen, we got to see how that plays out. Overall, Mariners, again, are playing, you know, strong baseball. I do feel like they are playing as one. That's really the big important thing. We didn't have um, J.P. Crawford in this series. Obviously, we haven't had him for seven games. We are four and three without him. Three of those losses, you know, what were they all? Yeah, they're except for Monday's game, um, all extra inning games or close games. Do I think if he was there, he would have made a difference? Absolutely. I think maybe some of the mental errors possibly might not have been there. That's what happens sometimes. I feel like when you lose a, a, a leader, um, in my opinion, and, uh, definitely I could have saw him. We talked about it quite a bit, so we don't need to tread over it too much because we're rolling through the time here, but you know, there's, and all any of these games that we lost in last week, if you could give me, you know, four good at bats out of you know the possible sixteen at bats he would have saw in in those 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 three games, uh, I do feel like he would have made a big difference. We might be sit, still sitting here on a winning streak. I know this is all hypothetical talk, but you are seeing so much of the value, what the value of J.P. Crawford is if you weren't seeing it you have to see it right now i think it's it's pretty much right there in black and white bold print how important he is to this team yeah um for this series for me it was more defensively than offensively um with julio getting in that first spot and doing the damage he did sure you could argue that sure the first game where the Mariners were getting no hit, that he would make a difference. Sure, I get that. But defensively, there were some miscues, uh, some things that I think JP would have done better, differently and that would have helped out the situation, no doubt. So, But I, I totally agree with you. I mean, this series could have – I mean, we could have fallen on our face very easily throughout it. Uh, could have been two and two, but three and one, I mean, that's kind of what you expect. Uh, and that was – the absolute worst as a Mariner fan you would want going into the series. And they accomplished that no matter if there was some miscues and some things that concerns us or, or what have you that we've talked about, it all comes down to winning. And uh, they did that this series, won the series and uh, they're <laughs> what one game away from the uh, wild card right now and in perfect position to uh, make a little statement going into Houston and uh, can close that gap even more coming up this weekend. So, hey, all is well. Yeah. And before we get into our, you know, our Brett Boone ending here, uh, we I'd be remiss if we did not mention uh, get well Tom Murphy. Losing Tom Murphy really hurts you offensively, the way he's been swinging the bat. I was listening to a little bit of of uh, listening to a little bit of uh, Dave Valley talking about he had the same injury where he had to keep his glove out of his hand for the rest of the season catching behind the plate i mean these catchers are nuts but he said possibly this could be something where it could affect you defensively but maybe not affect you offensively you know after the a week or two more of being on the il um i mean his bat has been you know nails for us the last month um luckily people were stepping up in this series but Definitely with his bat out and Crawford's bat out and, uh, you know, let's even go deeper back and not having Jared Kelnick and the Mariners playing and putting up runs like this. This is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I think the closest guy that um, that I've heard that will be back will be possibly J.P. Crawford, maybe at the earliest uh, for the third game of this Houston series. It sounds like he's recovering like they want. He might have a rehab assignment of uh, a game or so, or maybe two up in Everett over the weekend, either Friday or Saturday, and hopefully possibly might be there Sunday for the final game in Houston, if not uh, to start the uh, series in Chi-Town. All right. Fry bread and mustard, a Mariners podcast. We have the one and only... 
Mr. Tom Hutler, how are you doing? Doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. The Kingdo days, they had a lot of great memories for me. Where were you and what were you thinking when the kingdom was imploded? Uh, I was watching it on TV at home. I know I get flack for this, but I was kind of like in the good riddance mode. <laughs> you like, pressed the button. I would have I would have done it gladly. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread and Mustard, a Meredith podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Well, you know, that's almost our full episode here today, but we're going to give you a little extra here on the end. But first, I want to say we'll be back Monday, of course, to break down what happens in Houston. And we it's game day already. We'll be in Chicago playing a series against the White Sox. But before we get out of here, if, if you remember, I mentioned at the top, I'm going to uh, play a excerpt from the Brett Boone um, interview that we did. It was a lot of fun talking to Brett, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you you asked him about his two pro, two strike approach, something that is just non-existent with players nowadays in the new era of baseball. We talked about uh, who is his favorite couple favorite uh, double play combinations throughout his career. He mentioned one former Mariner and uh, someone else, and we talked to him about which pitcher was uh, tough for him to face and which pitcher he felt was. Uh, someone that he succeeded off of. So uh, it was quite interesting, but um, it was really good. Yeah. You know what? Since you bring that up, I, I didn't know what clip I was going to play here, but uh, we'll let Brett have an, an even better explanation of all of that. How's that sound? Yeah. He's yeah. Let him speak. I'll hit the, I'll hit the button. What's your opinion on the two strike approach nowadays in baseball versus when you were playing. It doesn't really exist. Does it? Um, no. The reason that the two strike approach came, you know, and I still get asked about it to this day and, and this isn't for everybody. And I, I don't, you know, I baseball, especially at the big league level, especially hitting is a very individualized uh, thing. It, the mat, it, everything doesn't work for everybody. We're very individualistic. We all have to do the same things uh, when the ball's in the hitting area to be successful. But how we get there is is a very individualistic process. For me, it was two strikes. And I thought, you know, I strike out about 100 times a year. That's just the way it is. But I want to get more hits. So I came up with this two-strike approach. And it's a mindset for me. It's a mental thing versus uh, versus a physical. I knew when I get down to my two strike approach. I choke up on the bat. I didn't have to think about protecting the plate. My body language was automatically telling my mind you're protect you're in protect zone now. So anything close, that means if it's two inches off the plate, I got to foul that pitch off. And I know that. Whereas if I'm in a three, one count or a two Oh count, that's a take, but with two strikes, I'm not going to let that umpire ring me up. He's not going to send me back to the dugout and me arguing Ah, that's off the plate. doesn't matter whether it's on the plate or off the plate. That's out of your control. That's it. You, you put the, the control into that umpire's hands. So that's why I came up with the two strike approach was to set my mind, put my mind in a mental space where I knew I had to protect. I didn't have to tell myself that it was already automatic by my stance and by my choke choking up on the bat. My mind knew protect zone. And what I found out over time was I struck out just as much, but I got a lot more hits. So it, mm -hmm. it was a I, I didn't cut down on my strikeouts, but I really uh, excelled from an average standpoint because most people hit one something with two strikes. And, and I went from one something to two something with two strikes. And, and it doesn't seem like a lot. But if let's just say if you hit 210 with two strikes, I'll guarantee if we look it up right now, if you're a 210 hitter with two strikes, you're in the top percentile of the game because two strikes is just so, so against you. I, I, I wanted it to be not such a disadvantage when I got to two strikes. And I found for me that goofy stance that I got into and choking up in the bat really worked for me. And there you have it. it you know, that was fun. That was like, you know, if you go, when we put it out on YouTube, there's a lot of us nodding our heads of the, us guys that there's a difference between, you know, looking for the walk and protecting the plate. We know it's a it's a very fine line. We also get mad at people that chase, but the way that he was talking about how his mindset and the way he positioned his body and, you know, there's a lack of that in the game for sure. Um, not just saying that because we had him on the podcast. Kind of the question I asked him was, I was kind of like, I know how this guy feels about this. It's similar to how I feel about it, similar to how you feel about it. Let's just let a major leaguer 
like you know write that receipt for us that we're not crazy you know yeah i mean there's nobody that takes their stride out of their swing with two strikes anymore like brett did you know how he extends out and uh just totally eliminates his stride uh that's just not how guys approach uh their at bat with two strikes so it's 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 a cool listen i i hope everybody checks it out yeah and if you're looking for it you know it's the episode before this one so you just scroll down you'll see it says special guest brett boone there's a lot more we're talking about on that episode uh you know we're talking about his time that he had at the MLB All-Star Weekend, where he won the MVP of the Celebrity Softball Game. Uh, what he thinks about this personality that we're seeing now with Aaron. We also talk about, look, some really, you know, inside baseball stuff. And I'm talking about how he went about bleaching his hair back in the early 2000s. All kinds of fun stuff on there. It's, it's, a, it's a fun 45 minutes especially if you're a diehard Mariners fan, especially if you um, just want to go back and kind of relive some of those moments and just talking a little bit about baseball today and hearing about, you know, his journey that he's on right now. So go back and check out the Brett Boone podcast uh, or check out the Brett Boone podcast and check out his podcast episode right here on the Rye Bread and Mustard of Mariners podcast. Thank you again for liking, subscribing and all that good stuff. Get your gear at, at Simply dot cora say hello to us on the socials email us if you gotta do that hanno you know what time it is Char.